John chapter 14. Never in my wildest dreams or imaginations would I have thought before March the 2nd, 1969, even after it for a while, but before certainly, that one day I would open a Bible and stand up and preach to anybody. And particularly when you think about even those folk over in Nepal and India and where else you might be, and just a mind-boggling concept. So I really am very uh, grateful to the Lord and his grace and mercy to save me. So in John chapter 14, it says in verse 27, Peace, these are the words of Jesus, I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hold that thought and go to John 16, just a little bit over, John 16 and verse 33. These are all tied together actually, but he says in verse 33, the same Jesus, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what the Lord is saying here is, don't let troubles trouble you. That's the message. You will have troubles in this world, but don't let your heart be troubled. That's the, the message. It's the message that Jesus wanted to reinforce here, particularly at this time. We said last Sunday that the, the, the war, the battle might be raging from without, but it doesn't have to rage within. That's exactly what the Lord is saying. Don't let your heart inwardly be troubled, even though there are troubles, even though you will have tribulation. Let me read this verse 33 from the Amplified. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distresses and frustrations and troubles. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. Take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted, for I have overcome the world. And the Amplified says, I have deprived the world of its power to harm you and have conquered it for your sakes. So that's the message that Jesus and the Bible wants to get across to us. God is in control despite the way it may seem, despite how things may look, even if it doesn't look like things are in control in your life or mine or in the world generally or in circumstances generally. The Bible is reinforcing the thought here, no, I'm in control. Don't let troubles trouble you. Now that's sort of a... A commandment but it's something we need to obviously work on now at this particular time the reason why Jesus particularly saying it was because he was about to be arrested he was about to be taken away tried and a, a, a false kangaroo court set up he was going to be beaten and whipped and so on a crown of thorns on his head and all the rest of it and he was going to eventually be crucified and entombed and so his disciples would have been looking, what's going on here? He was preparing them for this and he's preparing us for it as well because we're going to have situations in our life. But what they were immediately confronted with was their saviour, Jesus Christ, being taken away and killed. And so he said, hey, it doesn't matter what it looks like, guys, to his disciples. I'm still in control here. God's still in charge. 
It's all part of God's plan. Don't let your heart be troubled. Be at peace. Be still. Be reassured. This is part of what God had in mind. Jesus Christ had to die on the cross of Calvary. Yes, I have to be buried, but I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be back with you one way or another. So the message was be assured that God is still in control and uh, no matter how it looks. And, of course, that extends to us as well. It says in verse 33, ye shall have tribulation. That's, that's a fact. That's not a suggestion or an idea or a thought that may be. Perhaps this is you will have. Now, uh, the word there means trials, sorrows, trouble, afflictions, burdens, anguish, persecution, distresses, challenges, opposition, obstacles, difficulties. All of those things in one way or another we are confronted with. Peter made the same comment in 1 Peter. I read from another translation. Dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through fiery trials ahead of you. For this is no strange, unusual thing that is going to happen to you. It's not unusual. Now, sometimes we try to analyse why all this happens. The Bible is saying it just happens. Time and chance. You've got a body, a body can go wrong. It's a vulnerable vessel. You've got a husband or a wife, you've got children, you've got parents, you've got uh, grandparents, uh, you've got uh, things happening, you've got a car, you own a house, uh, things leak, things fall apart, things stop, things run into things, lots of things happen. And the Bible tells us, yes, and we can try to analyse all of those and we can try to find fault. And sometimes we make some silly decisions and we bring some troubles upon ourselves because of our bad choices. But generally, it's just because you're alive. It's because you live on this planet, because you own things or you're involved in things, you have relationships. And we live in a world that's got some dangers and warnings associated with it. So time and chance happens to us all. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we are troubled on every side. The Amplified Bible says, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, Paul wrote. Another translation says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Another one says, troubles surround us. So the world we live in is full of troubles. Jesus said that. You will in this world have troubles to contend with of whatever sort it may be. The Bible even says, Paul made a comment about even getting married. He said, I spare you, because in the flesh you will have trouble, he said. He said, you're not doing the wrong thing if you get married. It's not a sin, but let me warn you, he said in advance, all relationships have their situations, no matter what level, no matter who we're involved in. And so no matter what you own or what you do and your job and your finances, there are always things, and the Bible talks about that. It says in Job chapter 5, man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. You light a fire, where do the sparks go? They fly up, don't they? And the Bible says, see how obvious that is? Well, it's just as obvious when you're born into this world, you're born into trouble instantly. Job 14 says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We don't have very long on this planet, but all the time we are, there's usually something to contend with. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Sounds a bit grim all of this, doesn't it? But we have a happy ending here. Psalm 138 says, I walk in the midst of trouble. 
Paul wrote in Acts 14 that we must through much tribulation troubles enter into the kingdom of God. Wow. But what did Jesus say? Be of good cheer. Even despite all of this, be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So he said, take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted because I'm in control. I'm still in charge here. Don't let the troubles trouble you because I'm in charge. I'm in control. I know what's happening and I know how it's unfolding. I know what's going to happen to you. And I have deprived what we read, the world of its power. I have conquered it for your sakes. I've deprived the world of its hold over us, of its power over us, for whatever reason. And we need to believe that and be encouraged and comforted by that and be reassured. Go back to John 14 again. Remember we read verse 27? I'm going to read verse 27 from the Amplified now. Peace I leave with you. Mine own peace, Jesus said, I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop. I'm reading from the Amplified here. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because our natural inclination is all of those things when something happens to us, when we're confronted with a bad diagnosis, when we're situations that occur to us, uh, whether we lose our job or, or whether we have some difficulties at work or whether there's something wrong with the house or our financial situation is not so good or the dog or the cat or the things that we love all around us are running into trouble of one sort or another. It, the natural thing is to become a little apprehensive and fearful and that's not the Lord, Lord's not criticising that. He's just merely saying, hey, stop. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that all things are working together for good for you that I've conquered, I've deprived the world of its power over you. And we've got to pray that in and read that in and fellowship that in and believe all of those things and not be intimidated by what happens to us. Now, this is how Jesus starts in verse 1 of chapter 14. That's his first words. Let not your heart be troubled. One translation says, let the trouble stop. Stop it. That's what the Bible's telling us. Now, we'll have to exercise some spirituality to make that work. We'll have to look to the Lord. We'll have to be encouraged by the word of God and his promises. We'll have to support one another. We'll have to appreciate and pray and be diligent about our approach to the Lord because our first reaction, if it's not built up in the spirit, our first reaction will be in the flesh. Our first reaction will be this vulnerable body of ours and, and, and we'll react to that rather than being in control ourselves and react to the spirit that abides in us because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So let not your heart be troubled. The word troubled there in the Greek, and uh, Nick can correct me on this, but it's a word I think gets used for, it would be the sort of word you'd use in America today for the political agitation that's going on in America. That's the sort of trouble. That's the word there. The, the vision that is caused, this anxiety that is caused. A, a little article said, often used of political agitation, disorder or anarchy in the trouble, uh, a, a divided state and unstable government. So that's sort of the, the word there. So you become divided within yourself. 
Instead of uh, being at peace and still and appreciating God and knowing who we are and knowing what you've got, the Bible's telling us here, no, look, stop. Stop getting agitated because it's going to divide you. It's going to fragment you. It's going to have you off in different directions. And it's not going to help your cause or anybody else's cause for that matter. So the Lord is saying, trying to reassure us here. You believe in God, believe also in me. We're in control, guys, he's saying. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am there, you may be also. So initially, this is saying, you'll see me taken away. You'll see me put on a cross. You'll see me taken down and entombed and, and it looks like it's all over. But I'm, it's okay. It's, it's in control. But for us, the same thing applies. We look at our circumstances and we may feel, wow, we are really going through hardship here. This is a really difficult time. He's trying to reassure us there is a future, always a future. There's always something beyond this present circumstance, obstacle, challenge, disappointment, frustration, distress, whatever we happen to be going. There's always something beyond that. We ought to be reassured. In Psalm 31, I read from the Amplified, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy and your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction and my troubles. You've taken note of my life's distresses. So God's well aware, well aware. And we might want to debate the issue about, well, I know you're in control, Lord, but can you control it a bit quicker? Sometimes we have this sort of, you know, Lord, give me patience and I want it now, that type of attitude. Well, we've got to be a little bit more appreciative of the Lord overseeing that, yes, of course, you're entitled to storm the gates if you want to. You're entitled to pray earnestly and fast. You, you Do whatever you can. But at the end of the day, don't start then reanalyzing. Just appreciate that overall God sees and knows and understands and he's in control. In Psalm 37, but the salvation of the consistently righteous is of the Lord. He is their refuge and secure stronghold in the time of trouble. We must believe this, trust him and apply it. Psalm 77, in the day of my trouble, I seek, I inquire of, and I desperately require the Lord. In the night of my, in the night, my hand is stretched out in prayer without slacking up. So the psalmist was saying, I continue my prayer all the way through. I'm not going to slack I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to question God. I'm not going to analyse the circumstances. I'm not going to find blame. Uh, all right, look at yourself by all means, and if, you, if you've done some stupid things, we'll fix them up. If you make some bad decisions, don't make any bad ones again. Try, we'll try not to at least, by all means. But there's no point trying to sort of psychoanalyse every step of the way and trying to work out who did this and why did this happen and did this person sin or did this person not do the right or whatever. Just remember, overshadowing all of that is God's mercy and grace. So, uh, Isaiah 41, I quote this again. Fear not, I read from the Amplified. Fear not, there is nothing to fear. For I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. That's in Isaiah 41. And then one of my favourites, as you well know, in Hebrews chapter 13, again from the Amplified, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. 
I will not. I will not. I'm reading from the Amplified. I'm not just stuttering here. In any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now the Amplified is amplifying it, obviously, because we need to have that reassurance. We need to recognize over and over again, read my lips, God is saying, I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going through. I know you're struggling with it. I know it doesn't seem to be right at the moment and you're wondering how it's all going to turn out and your stomach's a bit knotted up and you can't sleep at night as well. I know all of that stuff, but I will not let you down. Try to refocus, he's saying. Try to look back at the promises, not at the problems. Try to look at the wonderful things the Lord has made provision for. Yes, there will be troubles, but he will support us, the Bible's saying. He's there to help us through. He knows we need support. It's rather interesting that between John 14, where we read from, and John 16, comes John 15. That's pretty much of a revelation, isn't it? You need a Bachelor of Science degree to work that out. John 15, though, is about I am the vine. So what he's saying here is if this is going to work for you, if you're going to find that your heart is not troubled, then the only way that's going to work is if you're attached to me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Severed from me, you can do nothing. Severed from me, he says, you won't find that peace. You won't find that assurance. You won't find that stability. You won't find that security. If you're a branch trying to travel on its own somewhere or other, it doesn't work. It just withers up and dies and people collect it and use it for firewood. That's what happens. He says this. So you can't separate yourself from me. You have to abide in me. If you're going to find the peace that passes all understanding, you've got to abide in the vine. So it's no coincidence that when he starts off, let your not heart be troubled, and then finishes up, be of good cheer, let not your heart be troubled, he's telling us this is only going to work if you attach yourself to me. Not casually, not half-baked, not maybe once a week or maybe once a fortnight if you can fit it in. Meetings are critical. Prayer is critical. Reading the Bible is critical. How are you going to get the sap of the vine flowing through you unless you tax yourself to the things which the vine is? His word, his spirit, his promises, his life, his vitality, all the sustenance that we need. So the Bible's telling us you throw yourself into it. You if you, if you don't, then you'll be relying on the flesh. That's all that's going to happen. You'll do the best you can. If you've got to stiff up a lip, well, you might do better than somebody else. If you haven't, well, you'll crumble in a heap, won't you? Now, I'm not being critical here. Maybe all of us have had a cry at times about our circumstance, our situations. But the message always is pull yourself together, get yourself back. Uh, no, it doesn't, doesn't mean the problem has, has gone away. It simply means that we've identified that God is bigger than the problem that God controls all things, that God is in charge, that he knows what he's doing, that his plan is still unfolding, that it, it will work together ultimately. Quicker the better, Lord, by all means. But let's trust him just the same. That's what we're being told here. So attached to the vine, that's where we get the support that we need. The word support means to keep from falling, to bear the weight of, to sustain, to encourage, to help, to back up, to defend, to speak for, to provide, to maintain, to uphold, to bolster up, to brace up, 
to fortify, to strengthen, to underpin. I think we get the message. I will not leave you without support. That's what God said. So you can put the word support and replace it with all of that other stuff anytime you like. He will not let you in any way crumble, fall apart or whatever. So what he's saying is be a good cheer. I will support you. Don't let your heart be troubled because I won't let you down. Stop. It's all under control. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, which says, For we not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. We don't need to get the details of this. You got the message from that one verse. Obviously, they were in difficulty. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver us, in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. Now I'm going to read that from the Amplified. You can go back to verse 8 again if you want to and try and follow it. But it says here, For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and the oppressing distress which befell us, befell us in the province of Asia, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Sounds pretty heavy. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that was was going to keep us from trust, but that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. So even then, Paul was able to say, you know what, even though we felt so hopeless and so despairing and so on, we reminded ourselves we are just a branch here and the branch cannot exist on its own. And we needed to be reminded from time to time how much we need to rely on the Lord, how much we need to really secure ourselves and really press in and really pray and really read and really support one another and really be committed and involved. That's what he's saying to us here. We had this sentence that it was to keep us from trusting in ourselves and leaning upon our own understanding and trying to sort our own solutions to this, but rather depend on God who raises the dead. Well, so he can take care of every situation. So even if we have the sentence of death upon us, he can raise the dead. Verse 10, for it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death and will still rescue and save us. In and on him we have set our hope, our joyful and our confident expectation that he will again deliver us from danger and destruction and draw us to himself. Past, present, future. The Lord has delivered us. He will continue to deliver us. And ultimately, of course, he will give us the final deliverance. So he saved us. He's saving us. He will ultimately save us. We've got a glorious future. That's, that's what the Lord is trying to get through here constantly to us because we know what this world is like and we know the things that we could be having to deal with. But he's saying, well, the Lord's delivered you in the past. He, He's there to deliver you now and he, he will deliver you in the future. 
Psalm 138 says, Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will bring me safely through them because your power will save me. Another translation says of that verse, The Lord will work out his plans for my life. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Our times are in his hands, the Bible says. Psalm 55 says, Cast your burden on the Lord. Release the weight of it and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved, to to slip, to fall or to fail. We can uphold God's word in our life, can't we? We can say, well, Lord, that's your promise. And I want that to work for me. Peter decided to repeat Psalm 55. Uh, In 1 Peter, he said, cast in the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. Now, I know we're repeating ourselves here, but the Bible repeats itself because we're, we're, we're prone to forget this. We're prone to have something happen. Or we're sailing along and all of a sudden the storm arises. All of a sudden there's a, there's a wind. All of a sudden there's a, an unseen rock that we ran into. All of a sudden there's situations that we have to contend with. So the Bible's warning us constantly, well, what are you going to do with that? Well, one thing you mustn't do and that is be troubled, he said. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it happen. Take control of your life just as I'm in control of your life. You have access to the Spirit now. You have access to the throne of grace. Use it is what the Bible's telling us. Let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, still in 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. Verse 7. But we have this treasure, the glorious gospel, the salvation, the Holy Ghost experience, the power of God, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, yes. And the older you get, the more earthen they get and the more crumbly they get. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But the Lord wanted it that way. He didn't want us to be super marvel creatures or whatever so that we would just fly and do and lift up things and throw things down and, and then move locomotives at a single jump. What do they do? What does Superman do? Jump them at a single bound or whatever he does. Anyway, he didn't want us doing all that sort of stuff because then we'd say how good we are. We would need God, would we? Because if we could uh, solve the world's problems uh, by just uh, our, our X-ray vision eyes or our super senses or, or whatever we might have had supposedly, and God could have made us with a lot of extra stuff. He could have. But he thought he would just get it just right, just enough material there to be able to do a lot of things but at the same time have our limitations and hopefully recognise those limitations, hopefully recognise that our brain can't solve every problem. And our bodies can't lift every weight. And we can't deal with every emotional circumstance. There are things that just get at us at times. He knew that. So he gave this treasure in an earthen, vulnerable vessel, feeble with its weaknesses, so that we might recognise, you know what? I need to be attached to the vine. I need to make sure my position is secure. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are troubled on every side, but we're not troubled. We're dealing with troubles. They're all external. 
Or they may affect our body, of course. The trouble may be, you know, a great big pin that goes from your hip to your knee or something or other and makes it very difficult. Uh, yes, but that's not the issue here. The issue is that we're not distressed by this. We are perplexed. Oh, why did this happen? Where did that tram line suddenly appear from? We may have all sorts of thoughts in our mind, but we uh, read here, we're not in despair. Of course not. It's not the end. Whatever happens, it's not the end, because the end is beyond. The end is the glorious future the Lord has in store for us. You've got a very difficult unsaved wife, undifficult unsaved husband. You've got children that give you a bit of a pain in the neck at times. You've got uh, uh, parents, maybe. Maybe it's the parents' problems. Or maybe it's the work person. Someone next to you at work is just horrible constantly. Maybe the people that drive, you know, everybody seems to be driving so erratically. Maybe it's all those other people. You're the perfect driver and everybody else is cutting you off. Everybody else is making life difficult for you. Well, the Bible says here, yeah, you might be perplexed by why it all happens to me. Why, why did we get yellow paint splashed on our car? I think the only car in all of Victoria that got yellow paint, and my wife was driving and she, she reassures me it had nothing to do with her. She didn't hit the car in front of her and the paint didn't fall off the car. No, this paint was on the road and, we, and her car drove through it and we came out with a yellow car after that. Had it been a yellow car all over, it would have been terrific, but it wasn't. It was a measle, measly. It was like measles, chickenpox yellow all over, spots all over it. Why am I saying that? I've got no idea why I've said that. All I'm, the point I make is things happen, don't they? And you can analyse them and dissect them and wonder about them and why me, Lord, and all the rest of it. You know, uh, Nick gave a talk on Job just recently. You know, why me, Lord? And his wife's saying, why don't you just curse God and die? Yeah, fantastic help. Thank you. The answer, of course, is we are troubled but we're not distressed because we know where the answer lies, of course. God's in control. He's on our side. And we need to sort of rein in those thoughts at times, don't we? Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That's the ultimate glory about all of this. Whatever's happening won't be happening forever. You have to raise all those children forever or those grandchildren or those great-grandchildren forever. You won't have to deal with all the problems they have at school and do all their homework for them and do all their assignments. You won't have to do that forever. You won't have to go and get up at the morning at 5 o'clock and, uh, and do whatever you've got to do and then get off to work and do all your studies in university and then still put in a day's work. You won't have to do that forever. In fact, nothing we do now will be forever, hallelujah, other than our spirituality. That's what the Bible's trying to... One day he said, oh, I'm, I'm not troubled by these things because I know there's a glorious future waiting for me. Oh, does that mean we can't pray for change? Now, of course not. We want to see things changed, of course, by all means. Get a different job that doesn't get you up at 5 o'clock. If you can, that'd be nice. Uh, I, I don't like 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't even know what it is most of the time. Down in verse 16. For which cause we faint not... We have a cause, folk, and we have a glorious future. And the Bible's telling us here, then don't cave in. Stop. Don't let the troubles get you down. Deal with them. Look to the Lord. Seek advice. Get some help by all means. Pray, fast, read, encourage one another. Do what you've got to do, but make sure you push on regardless. Make sure nothing deters you. Don't let the troubles trouble you. Don't let your heart be troubled. 
For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, and it is, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. One day, just like that metamorphosis, just like that butterfly, uh, maybe things are churning up on the inside, even sort of almost literally in some cases you feel uh, at, well, loggerheads with certain things that are happening. But one day this is all going to disintegrate. We're not going to rise to meet the Lord in the air with this body what, and limp around heaven. That's not going to work. I have to wear glasses or hardly see anything or whatever. Your knee's not working and your back's not working and your eyes aren't working and your ears aren't working and, uh, and you've got reflux and there's, oh, hallelujah. What a heaven that would be. No, or, that doesn't exist. None of that happens. We've got a brand new body. So the Bible's telling us here, uh, though our outward man perish, and if you live long enough, it'll perish all right. And in fact, you'll perish so much, it'll be, well, finished, won't it? For our light affliction, I've often said this, haven't I, from this platform. Oh, yes, Paul, our light affliction. That's easy for you to say. Then you stop, don't you think? Well, hang on a sec. It is easy for him to say because what Paul went through was unbelievable. And most times when we make a comparison, ours looks a bit puny towards it. Now, Paul doesn't want us to make comparisons. He just wants us to recognise whatever we're dealing with today is just a light affliction but for a moment, and it's working for us, hallelujah, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's what he wants us to see. He wants us to compare what we're going with to what the Lord has in store for us. Now, we can't even fully comprehend what the Lord's got in store for us. We don't even we understand the, the magnitude of, of a new life and a new realm, being with Jesus and God and one another in the spirit, in, in a different situation altogether. There's no more time, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more alarm clocks, there's no more worrying about this or that or whoever or any situation whatsoever. We don't have to worry about the painting or the lawn mowing or the repairing of this or that or even getting a haircut. We won't have to worry about any of those things, not a thing at all. No pandemics in heaven. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul is wanting to get the message. A light affliction, just a couple of grams on this side and tons of heavenly glory on the other side is what the Lord wants us to get the message. And we're thick as bricks at times and we get overburdened and overweighed with the, the, the 10 grams. That's what happens to us. So he encourages us in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, don't look at the, the things that are, are, you're confronted with. Oh, we can't help it. I mean, if you, if you look in the mirror and you... It doesn't look too good. I mean, it's obvious. Um, but he's saying, here, don't focus on that. Don't focus on the things which are seen because they're the troubles. They're the afflictions. They're the distresses. But rather, the things which are not seen, the heavenly weight of glory, for the things which are seen are temporal. The Amplified says, brief and fleeting, but the things which are, seen, are not seen are eternal. That's the message. Way back that Jesus wanted to understand, stop. Let not your heart be troubled because God is in control and I've got a glorious plan unfolding for you. And there's going to be a time when you'll just leave all of this behind and you're going to accelerate, rocket, zoom up to meet the Lord in the air and all of this stuff will be of no consequence. If it's possible, we might even laugh at ourselves in the heavenly realm. We might look back and think, you know, wasn't I? What an idiot I was to get my neck in a knot over that situation. 
to make that so important, so meaningful for me, so disastrous, so miserable I was, down on everybody, bitter, angry, twisted person I became over that situation. Well, I hope you get over that because we want to meet the Lord in the air, not with that sort of attitude. But anyway, maybe looking back, you say, what a dingling. Why did I behave like that? Well, I don't know whether we will think that. How about we think it now? Wouldn't it be better if we thought it now? Stop for a moment. Like Jesus said, stop. I'm a dingling. I don't need to do this. I don't need to react this way. I don't need to be like this. God's on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm attached to the vine. I'm more than a conqueror. He's deprived this world of all its power. I'm in safe hands. Stop. I don't need to be like this. It's not always easy, but we can practice at it. And we can maybe get better at it as time goes on. Maybe you've already perfected it, perhaps already. Um, So we can have a peace within that maybe the world doesn't fully understand at all. We're in safe hands. We are well supported. We have a secure future. And uh, we are victorious, of course. No doubt about that. And verse 17 says, it worketh for us. It's working for us. I don't know whether we need to analyse it. Just believe it. Whatever's happening is working for us. Don't try to sort of maybe just put down the fours and against and the pros and the cons. Just trust the Lord that somehow or other this is all going to unfold and I'm going to rise to meet the Lord of the year. Be of good cheer. Trust God. He's for us. He prepared a place for us. I just want to finish. At the end of verse 17, it says there, eternal weight of glory. The Amplified says this. The Amplified goes on and says this. Beyond all measure. So we're talking about this far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, far, far beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Now that's what's in store for us. I'll read it again. You might have missed it. Beyond all measure. This is what's in store for us. Try to look beyond what's happening to us now. And I know you've got problems. I know some of them. You might know about some of mine. I don't know. Uh, you know, back's playing up. Today we're trying to set a few things up. Raph knows my back's playing up. Well, he can have a bit of prayer for me tonight, can't you, Raph? Yeah, can't you, Raph? You'll have some... Raph, you've got to keep me in your prayers tonight. That's not a good start. It's not a good start at all. Anyway, we can do all of that. Uh, we can, we can recognise, but what, we, what we're wanting to appreciate is that beyond all of this is this heavenly weight of glory. This is only just for... We're not, this is not forever. This is temporary. Beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Hallelujah. Let not your heart be troubled. All the people said.